everybody, this is Paul Julian, and welcome to this week's episode of Paul Julian and Friends, where I sit down with author Christy Copeland. It's fascinating to me that I know someone that has actually written books that you can buy on the internet and go to Amazon, and or shortly will be able to go to Amazon and buy her books. We talk about her process, how she comes up with her ideas, how she finds time to write with her full-time job and kind of the experiences that she draws on in writing her books and what she has coming up a new book coming up this april april of 2023 so give a listen to the interview with christy copeland let us know what you think and please like and share this episode that's the best thing that you can do to help this podcast grow thanks and enjoy the episode I just wanted to write, right? I just wanted to get my ideas down and just do the writing. And then I was like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. So kind of like you said, how do I get it out there? Right. And that's what has been interesting for me, the process of it all, because the editing part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm in my second round of edits right now for my work in process that I'm doing, book five. And it's, I've, I missed so much. You know, you realize what you have either said twice or mm-hmm. a date that was wrong or um, like one of them, I, I decided at the end after I wrote the book and hit the end for my first draft, I decided after that that I wanted to add a different point of view. So that was nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've got that going with, I had two points of view already okay. and now I have a third. So you're going back and rewriting or adding that in, blending that into the... changing the Charlie said to Sarah said kind of thing. So I'm just changing the point of view. And the first time I went through it, I had to make sure that those chapters that I wanted in Sarah's voice Mm -hmm. actually were in Sarah's voice. But towards the beginning, I had one chapter that had Sarah actually in all the action. And then in the next scene, it said... Well, we haven't seen you in a week, but I'm glad we've been able to, you know, talk on three-way. But I'm like, wait a minute. She was here last week. She was in the bedroom with the other girls. All right. So, yeah, it was... It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. So how long have you been writing? You're working on book five. Working on book but five. How long would you say that you've been considered yourself a writer? It's kind of a two-part answer there. Okay. So I started writing Oakdale, which is book one. Started writing that in... 2020 published in 2021 okay okay so that was book one but before that my girlfriend's just she has such weird ideas and she does things that are just off the wall Mm -hmm. and she said yeah i'm gonna start breeding cats i'm like what are you seriously and she's like are there too few cats out there already i have 10 yeah honestly and there are not too few cats but it was something for her to do for an extra income and who knows how many people spend thousands of dollars on cats. So she breeds British short hairs and she sells them to people all over the U S it's amazing. But I said, why are you doing that? And she's like, well, why not? I said, okay, that's that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a question. Right. Why Why not? So she has bred goats and she has bred horses and she's successful in everything that she does. Mm -hmm. And, um, she said that her mom basically had asked her the same thing. Why are you doing all these weird things? And her answer was, why not? <laughs> so I said, you know what? You're inspiring me. I'm going to write a book about this. Okay. 
So she was my best friend, best friend growing up in high school. Okay. In a small town, Brooklyn, Michigan. Brooklyn, Michigan. Brooklyn, Michigan, home of Michigan International Speedway. <laughs> Michigan, never heard of. Yeah, MIS. In the late '80s, early '90s, there was nothing to do in a small town but go out and get in trouble. Right. right? So we did, <laughs> and it's my first thought for a book. My first idea was basically, why not? So every chapter that I wrote was kind of something that we had done in our youth. Mm -hmm. And when a question came up, hey, you want to do this? It was why not? So every chapter I made sure I had why not in the chapter. And that did not get published because it was so bad. It was <laughs> so bad. I spent probably six or eight months writing it. And my husband, bless him, is so supportive. So we'd be watching TV and I'd be typing away. Yeah. Just have a laptop on my lap and I'd be typing away. He's just like, okay, when are you going to do this? When are you going to get this done? And he was supportive but hesitant at the same time at first because he knows that I like to start things mm. and I don't always finish them. Sure. Right? It's so hard. Finishing is hard. Finishing is hard. And then what do you do afterwards? Right. So then I had somebody read it when I was done and she was like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> this thing is all over the place. Is yeah. there a plot? Is there a point? Because it was basically just a whole bunch of our stories mm -hmm. growing up. But it was still whatever. It was a book. I it mean, was, it was a it, it was, was a book length. Book. Uh, it, was it was me getting my thoughts out. It mm -hmm. was it was a lot of fiction, right. right? So I even sent the chapters to my friend, and she's like, "Wait, did we do that?" I'm like, "Well, we did this, <laughs> but we didn't do that." Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, "Okay, I just want to make sure I remembered right." <laughs> right. <laughs> and then in, in another chapter, it was funny because music was a huge part of growing up mm -hmm. and 80s hair bands right. right huge part of of our youth well we sat in her bedroom one day and we had the dual tape recorder and yeah. she said okay let's do this let's let's have an interview with our favorite bands uh -huh. I'm like, okay whatever so what are we gonna do well we knew our tapes wasn't CDs right it was tapes mm -hmm. back then we knew where every single song was on every single tape we hit record on the one tape the blank tape and we said John Bon Jovi or whatever who was my favorite right mm -hmm. um, we asked him a question and then we went and found the answer in one of his songs in his lyrics oh really and re hit play and record and recorded that as his answer and then we would ask another question and we would find another yeah. tape and spent hours doing that and it was so fun so i put that in one of my chapters and she said we did that didn't we i'm like yeah <laughs> she had totally forgotten so it was great to get those memories out yeah again i was out in the storage building doing my workouts listening to stuff and, you know i'll never be on tim ferris's podcast or james anybody like that but i never said say I never <laughs> i think i will never i actually did say you know I should do a podcast where I take questions that they ask someone else and then I should answer them <laughs> and then send it to there or somehow just put it out, you know, Twitter say, hey, I did a podcast with you. You don't know it, but I did it with you and here's the deal. That's and, a great uh, idea. Shoot it over to them. But tell me about growing up in Michigan. Small town, 2,000 people, probably still today. Okay. I graduated with 112 kids back in early 90, okay. 91. I had an older brother, and he was really good at getting in trouble. And he taught <laughs> me a little bit, yeah. right? So, you know, sneaking around and sneaking out of the house and, you know, drinking and getting in trouble yeah. back in high school days. So I had a couple of girlfriends that we just liked to cruise the Ave and meet guys and go to parties and yeah. just have fun, mm -hmm. right? Just the clean kind of 
no drugs, nothing uh-huh. hard. I mean, everybody, you know, smoked weed back in the day, but mm-hmm. just hanging out. Yeah. Just listening to music, just, you know, staring at cute guys in cars kind of thing. <laughs> so we did a lot of that. Um, and she lived in a house on just off of a lake. And in Michigan, there's a ton, tons of lakes, mm-hmm. Irish Hills area. And I lived my mom and, with my mom and dad in a house probably a quarter mile from a lake. So everything we did was on the lake. Okay, yeah. So everyone we knew either knew someone or had a friend or lived on the lake and had a boat. And we'd go swimming and we'd go to the park. And it was a lot of, um, before I met my friends on the other lake and we used to hang out there, my brother and I used to walk down to the park every day for summer and we would just go swimming. Yeah. And then we would walk back. I mean, there was, we would ride our bikes to the two miles into Brooklyn, into town, and no one ever thought twice. Sure. Um, can't do that these days, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was just simple. You know, we had a dog and a cat and, mm-hmm. and lived uh, right down the road from the high school. My dog used to follow me to school really? every day when I walked to school. <laughs> yeah, we used to let him in the classroom and he'd hang out with me in class. Um, but then when I met my friends that lived on the lake, um, we'd hang out there and we'd hang out at the park and she had an older sister that would drive her places and I had an older brother that would drive us places. Um, if we knew a, I was talking to my husband the other day and I'm like, I'm so surprised that we didn't get abducted somewhere because we watch a lot of crime shows now, Uh right? True crime stuff. And I'm like, I'm so surprised that that wasn't us. I'm like, I would get in the car with almost anyone if they're going to Jackson. All Mm -hmm. right, let's go. Give me a ride. Yeah. It was a simple, simple life. We had a lot of bonfire parties out in cornfields. Okay. That was kind of the thing on the weekend. Whoever had land Mm -hmm. would build up a bonfire and there would be 40 cars out there with music blaring and (laughs) beer drinking and just hanging out by the bonfire. That sounds fun. What do you do after high school? Spent eight years in a community college to get a two-year degree. Oh, wow. Man, you're a go-getter. <laughs> That's one thing I didn't quit, right? right? But towards the end of that eight years, I had enough enough uh, credits to just graduate with a degree in nothing. Right. <laughs> so yes. I spent all that time and all that money for a general studies degree, mm-hmm. which is fine. It was business marketing classes that kind sort of thing. Of stuff, so. yeah. But right after high school, um, I just worked. Yeah. Basically got jobs as a secretary or a, I worked at the cable company doing data entry and mm-hmm. taking payments and that kind of thing. Worked at Hardee's, I think, for a little while. Yeah. Kept moving on from job, this job and apartment to this job and apartment. And I moved from Brooklyn all over to outskirts of Detroit, Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti, um, Canton. So you lived by yourself to your out with moved out of your parents house I moved out with a guy okay. at 17 because I was stupid <laughs> <laughs> and um, then after I broke up with him then I was on my own in apartments yep so yeah. about every That's, year my my dad would help me move sure and every time he would say I'm not doing this again <laughs> and then the next year we would do it again I told my son you know there's something about living on your own you just can't learn things about yourself or the world you know, living at home, just, yep. I, I think. Yep. Um, so we were, both our kids moved out. And like I said, you know, totally, he was, he said it was scary, you know, when we dropped him off, you know, signed the papers on his apartment. He moved in with a buddy from here that he went to high school with, and scary. It <laughs> is, to, yeah. Um, 
to think about paying bills. And yeah, like I said, you just you don't realize money actually has to come from someplace. Yes. Yeah. To be able to buy food and yeah, pay the phone bill and pay rent, and then you got to yeah. figure out how much you need to make to make this rent payment. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're moving and working in Michigan for eight years, and um, then what? Yes. Um, got married and divorced. Bought my own house, and cats started showing up. <laughs> and then I'm a cat lover. Is and this is still in Michigan. Still in Michigan. Okay. Yep. A little town called Maybe Michigan. Maybe, Maybe. Michigan. Mm-hmm. That's almost. Not quite as good as Gun Barrel City. But. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> so maybe Michigan. And um, had a little house on a farm, had two acres. At this point, I had horses and a goat. So okay. through the marriage, I had bought horses. And then a year later, we got divorced. So took everybody with me. Um, had a couple cats with me, but then more started showing up. I think one of the things that I liked about writing is telling someone else's story. So every time someone, I say someone, every time one of my cats would die somehow, either run away and I mm-hmm. don't find them anymore or they get hit in the road or whatever, yeah. I would write their obituary. Okay. <laughs> so And I would send it to my family members. Right, just let it know, keep up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, this guy. But I would explain, sorry, I would explain their, um, their life, right? Like this was what I loved about being a cat. I liked to mouse. You know, I liked to sleep in the hay and I liked to, I would write their life basically. Okay. So what I wanted to do after I had a whole bunch of obituaries, sounds so weird, is I wanted to kind of make that into, I don't know, an anthology of sorts of different, the lives of these different animals. Mm-hmm. And I never did. I still have all of like my early notes on them. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably still have all of those emails that I sent for all the obituaries. Right. Now I have, we've got... 10 cats now and it's a lot of coming and going right so we're we've been at 10 for about six months but all of those that they've all been special right but all of them that have a a, a different story i guess Mm -hmm. i want to put that into some kind of personality i mean yes i've had one cat they've just gone through so many different things Mm -hmm. right one of them acted like a dog and would sit on my husband's arm My, my favorite picture is with him and her and she would, I got her when she was four weeks old, right? So I had to actually be her mm-hmm. mother for the first however long of her life. Right. And she she ended up being one of the cats that I say was murdered by our neighbor dogs. Okay. Came over and killed three of my cats all in one day. Mm-hmm. And she was one of my favorites. And I was just like, my alligator, right? I want to write a story about her mm-hmm. and her life. Um, and there are so many more. Obviously, one of my cats got attacked by a coyote and lived. And um, I think that would be a great story. Right. So I, I want to write a book about my cat's anthology. And my husband says, yeah, do that later. <laughs> like, <laughs> do this one first, and then you got to do this one, then you have to do this one. But, yeah, you can do that, but do it later. There is no right or wrong way to do any kind of creative project that you want to do for mm-hmm. yourself or just because but they often have at least the ideas and maybe I write this book and that's all I do and I have no other ideas and then I finish this book and then now I sit and wait for <laughs> for another you know, for idea. Our next you know <laughs> some inspiration they've always got a piece here a piece there maybe a chapter or maybe an outline and it, mm-hmm. it just I've got 57 of them. Really? I actually listed them out because I have an app on my phone mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's called Novelist. 
I'll put even just a one-liner idea. Oh, my husband will have a dream, and I'm like, oh, that's a good mm-hmm. one, and I'll note it down. So I think I've got like 57, and I have 15 in line for next. Novelist is the name of the app? Novelist. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've actually got books that are published. Mm-hmm. So tell us, because what time frame are we in now? Uh, you've got divorced. It's you and your cats, yeah, and cats. you're sending the cat obituaries around. <laughs> what year is that? Oh, gosh, this is uh, two. 2001 okay so from there um i my my mom's best friend is my now husband's aunt okay so we've known each other since we were six okay and i had a crush on him forever he's just so cute right just so cute right so um every time we would go to my mom's best friend's house which was 45 minutes away which in kid time is like cross country, right? His family would come up from Indiana and about 45 minutes away and we would have pig roasts and we would do graduations and you know, all these other family get togethers. Mm -hmm. We were invited because my mom's best friend. At this point, he had been married and divorced. I was friends with the daughters, right? Which is his cousins. His cousin told him, hey, Christy's available. And he said, oh, that could be interesting. (laughs) So we ended up, um, he called me and I ignored him because I had met somebody. So he was three hours away and he called me and I said, I didn't call him back until, gosh, another 10 years. (laughs) Like there was (laughs) one, he made one phone call. He made one phone call. Yeah. And you never called him back and he (laughs) just... He let it lie. He let it go. Okay. All right. <laughs> so it's funny. He likes to tease me about, well, I called you. And I'm like, but you didn't try very hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I had met some other guy and blah, blah, blah. Got married again and divorced. And then I was just kind of floating around and, you know, I bought another house. And this was in Pinckney, Michigan. And working, you know, good job with DHL. Okay. I was there for 19 years. Um, but I was just kind of... Hanging out, working in, in, you know, hanging out with friends and going yeah. to see my mom and dad every once in a while. And and his cousin had a graduation party. And I said, you know what? I haven't seen that side of the family in forever. I need to go. So I went to that graduation and he was there. So he said, hey, uh, you want to go out sometime? And we started dating 4th of July. Okay. So that was nine years ago. It'll be nine years in, in uh, July. So we knew each other from when we were six, and we ended up getting married um, the following year on 4th of July. That's cool. So we got married at 40. (laughs) I hope this one sticks. He seems like a... He's a great guy. I mean, (laughs) yeah, he's he's a keeper. We've never actually had an argument. Really? Yeah. We've, you know... Disagreed. Disagreed or or whatever, snarky whatever comments, you <laughs> smart know, ass, yeah, smart yeah, ass yeah. things, but never literally an argument. That's so cool. it's, it's incredible. It's awesome. Wish I'd have done it sooner. <laughs> Sometimes it's got to be the right time. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So how did y'all Yanks end up in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty common these days. You been driving around looking at license plates. I mean, wow. Yeah, it really is. And everyone that I meet here at work, not everyone, cause that's broad statement but like when I'm working a lot of people are we call them transplants Mm -hmm. a lot of people from New York um, a lot of people from Michigan Minnesota everyone I meet 
is like, oh, you're from Michigan? Yeah, how's the snow up there? I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> I was working with DHL, and I was doing a lot of traveling. I was on the road 60% of the time. Really? And my husband said, that's excessive. And I said, yeah, you know what it really is? Because I left him home with all of my animals. Mm. They were ours, obviously, right? He loves them like mm -hmm. I do. But we were a year into our marriage, and I just dumped all of my critters on him so he's got horses and goats and cats and you know in four feet of snow that he has to walk through to get to the barn every day yeah <laughs> so he said yeah you know it might be a little bit too much so i was down here working in dallas for my company i was doing startups i said hey you got if there's anything open down here you know let me know and they said yeah we'll make a spot for you you let me know when you want to move down here oh, really? and i said really and they're like, yeah. I said, okay. So I called my husband on the way to the airport and I said, hey, you want to move down here? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> Why is this so easy? Right? So, so we did. So it was probably six or eight months later that mm -hmm. I started working down here in Carrollton. Okay. Bought the house in Terrell. Mm -hmm. Did not know that Dallas traffic is as bad as it is. Yeah. So. And Carrollton is a, gosh. there's no good way to get there. Mm -hmm. 635 from Terrell. Yep. Yep. So it was an hour and a half at least. And they wanted me there at seven in the morning. So I'm thinking backwards. Right. I have to get up at like 3.30. <laughs> so that lasted for two years. I wasn't happy there. Um, I worked with a lot of car dealerships. So then I, Dallas Dodge was one of the dealerships that I worked with and they recruited me and they said, Hey, we need you over here. And I said, okay, it's closer to home. Um, I thought it was going to be a better environment. It was in a way, right? Um, and then I got recruited two years later by Town East Ford. And they said, hey, we want you to manage our warehouse. Okay, great. It was more money. Thought it was going to be a better environment. <laughs> and then they um, started losing money in their wholesale business. Yeah. And they said, hey, um, this guy's got to go. We're taking this guy out of the warehouse and we're firing this guy out of the warehouse. And pretty soon it was just me and another girl uh -huh. doing the job of six people. Yeah. So they said, well, you know what? We don't have anyone in the warehouse for you to manage anymore. So we don't need a warehouse manager. <laughs> and I went, wow. Okay. Now what? So that was on Halloween. And thank God I started a new job on Tuesday. So it was meant to be absolutely meant to be because I was not happy where mm -hmm. I was. So um, Tuesday, I start working at Interstate Battery, and I'm so excited. So I'm going to be doing more so training. Did, I mean, I was I worked for the fire department for 38 years, so I knew I knew the city limits I was going to be working in. I didn't always know the station or the, mm -hmm. the area, but I'm you know I knew. So how is that going from just finding a new job? And are you just relying on your contacts in the industry that people that you've met, or um, is from DHL to Dallas Dodge? It was someone that I met. Okay. through the industry right they they i was close with them because i communicated with them on a daily basis gotcha and they basically said come work for me I said okay then town east was one of those um i think i had been out on i had my resume out somewhere and i wasn't really really looking but i was open gotcha. and a recruiter called me and said hey we think you'd fit here okay so but this interstate thing was i must have applied to 40 or 50 different positions because unemployment does not pay 
anything really. I mean, it helps, right? Sure. It's a good thing to have, and it has helped a lot. Mm-hmm. But you can't live on it, right. not from what we're used to. So um, I was applying, and and I got. I didn't even apply to interstate. They found me, which I think is really kind of cool. So they said, hey, we think that you'd be a good fit here. What do you think? And I said, okay, let's have an interview. I had no idea about, of what it even meant. Mm-hmm. And um, started talking to the lady, and she's like, well, what's your background? And I told her how I was, what I was doing when I was traveling with DHL. And she said, that sounds a lot like what we're doing here. And I said, really, because I loved that. <laughs> I would love to get back into that again without all the travel. Well, and she uh, said, you know what? We do things here. Basically, you can FaceTime or you can do over the phone. You will have to travel sometimes, but it's minimal. Mm-hmm. And I went, great, let's do it. So I had four interviews. And and I knew someone from DHL that worked there. Oh, really? So that just happened to be. So I do think that um, the townies thing, I mean, happened for the best. Right? That was just... I needed to get out of there. It wasn't good for me. And I had a couple months free to write book five. Mm-hmm. And then this timing of it is perfect. Yeah, have your books been written mostly during downtime? Or is that kind of something you go back to as you have an opportunity? Or is do you find a way to work it into your everyday, at least a little bit every day? Not necessarily every day, every week for sure. Okay. So if I have... You know, if my husband's watching a movie that I don't want to watch, mm-hmm. I tell him to watch Harry Potter or something that I've seen 8,000 times <laughs> and I don't care about really. I'll say, put on Harry Potter, I need to write. And I'll, you know, spend an hour doing something. Okay. But on weekends for sure, or on downtime, yeah, absolutely. So what was the process like when that first book, when you said, all right, this this is a book. Did you have everything set up to for the publishing and... Uh, no outside editor and any of that stuff so by the time I hit the end I did because you know about halfway through I'm like okay so this is real right (laughs) Right? I'm actually doing this Mm -hmm. so and then what so I did a lot of research on Facebook groups and um, just on Google searching you know how do you find an editor for your book or Mm -hmm. what do you need to do there's a couple different um, Facebook groups that are really really good and have great information one of them is called 20 books to 50k so they basically tell you that you need to write 20 books before you can make 50,000 a year Mm -hmm. and that's an average right Right. some people do some people don't some people hit it big on their first one and it just goes off like crazy but there's a lot of different um they'll upload their information their spreadsheet trackers for expenses they'll upload um these are all the free places that you can advertise your book okay so it's a lot of information so I found an editor. I think I joined a few other Facebook groups, and I found an editor for the first one. About halfway through the editing process, I didn't like her much anymore. <laughs> she no. was, I, I, I'm sure she's a great person. I didn't like her style. Oh, I didn't yeah. like her telling me, you know, this doesn't make sense, when in my head it totally makes sense. Right. And that might sound kind of weird because that's what an editor is supposed to do. But yeah. when, I think she had a different set of beliefs than me because she's a lot younger Mm -hmm. right so in my head kids really need to have both parents or at least a male and female somehow figure Mm -hmm. to to become well-rounded and i don't mean to alienate anyone by saying that but at least two people i think helps a ton yeah um and she 
I don't remember what line it was, but she said, why can't, a, why can't this 12-year-old boy be completely well-rounded with just his mom? And I'm like, well, that's kind of not the point of my book. Yeah. Right? Because in the book, his dad had become a drug addict and lost everything, and he was growing up with his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And the grandma said, hey, I think Steve needs, needs to be around you, which the main character, Mike, is his uncle. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, why does he need to be around him? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we'll get through this book and I'll find somebody else. Yeah. So it was just one of those things that didn't sit well. Yeah. And there were five or six different things like that. Um, yeah, it's a relationship that has to be, you know, it has to work. It both, has to work. Both, yeah. yeah. But moving through the whole process of, um, the reason that I chose her is because she edited. She did the cover. Um, so the cover design, she did the proofreading and she did the formatting. So she was a one for all. Okay. Yeah. So I said, okay, you know, I've read some of the things that she had edited and I liked overall, I liked her work. Mm -hmm. So she did a great cover. She did the formatting the way I liked it and, um, and the editing. So that was kind of a one package deal, which was great because then I didn't have to go find this person, that person, that person, that Mm -hmm. person, that person. And then there's building a website, which... I have totally fallen off of. Yeah, they're <laughs> tough. I mean, they're, they're tough to They're hard to. They can be hard to edit, change information, update information. It's not like a if you're not Facebook on page or something all like the that. time. I forget where I went to add right. this. Yeah. Right. So if I'm only doing it once every six months when I yes. release a new book, then it's really hard to kind of remember where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So are your books available on Amazon or mm-hmm. places like that? So they are everywhere, available on like Amazon. Worldwide. Uh, soon. So, soon they'll be available everywhere. Okay. So Amazon has a program called Kindle Unlimited. And ebooks, if you sign up for Kindle Unlimited, you can only sell your ebooks through Amazon. So I signed up for that because the program basically is if you have a reader that reads a lot, they buy the Kindle Unlimited package. Mm-hmm. And for a set monthly fee, they can download any book they want. And the author gets paid by page read. It's like half a cent per page read. Oh. If you don't have someone that wants to spend $3.99 on an ebook, but they belong to Kindle Unlimited for whatever, $15 a month or whatever, and they download your book, then I get paid on pages instead of trying to find someone to actually buy the book if they're not sure they're gonna like it. Mm-hmm. It hasn't worked really well for me so when you have to do it for 90 days mm-hmm. and when all those 90 days are over then i will be available everywhere okay so i'll be uploading there's another one site called draft to digital that you can upload to that site and choose which options or which platforms you want to be on mm-hmm. and they'll basically publish it on every single platform okay. which is great um as far as the print book i have to look into that more i think i have to get into in Ingram Spark or another place that can actually print them to be in libraries and to be in Barnes and Noble in print, you have to go through Ingram Spark. You can't do it through Amazon. Okay. So there's more research more that I need to do right. for that. Yeah. But right now everything is on Amazon. Five books, almost five books, and I'm just curious about the economics of a book. Like, can you quit your job yet? No. Five. <laughs> No, no, because I, one of my struggles is marketing. I don't know how to get the friends you need to get on like Goodreads. There's so many platforms that you can put all of your marketing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not on Twitter because I 
don't get it. Yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Goodreads, and they say to pick two or three. I started doing TikTok videos, and I, I can't <laughs> upload three videos a day. Yeah. I mean, when I go back to work, I'm not going to have this kind of time, yeah. right? And I honestly, the past two months, I haven't done much with it either. It's just, I'd rather write. So yeah. kind of like you said, when you get through the rest of it, I'd, I'd rather write the first draft and not even edit it, but I know mm-hmm. I have to. So that's kind of the struggle too, because I'll read the book four times before I'll actually send it to my editor. Then I have to read it again to make sure that everything looks right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that seems like it would be hard to do. Could you? I've already read this. I know. I'm using a skip and rather than easy to skip. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Word, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, by the fourth time, it's just like, you're just like... <laughs> I actually oh, find, good. Good. I find myself going back and saying, okay, I didn't read that. I need to yeah. read that word for word. And what they say helps and does really does help is printing it out and reading it out loud. Oh, yeah. But so once reading you it read out loud it, would absolutely Yeah, help. once you read it out loud, and I'll read it to my husband, who doesn't read, and he doesn't really care about my books. <laughs> he does. He does. But he wouldn't read a romance book unless I read it to him, right? Right. So we'll sit around the table or or if we're on a drive somewhere i'll read him two chapters okay and, and he'll say, say whoa, whoa, what was that? wait what was that yeah. or who was this again or there's too many people it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. so that's another good you know another good way, way to, to bounce it. it off and somebody else yeah what other creative things i mean to be able to call yourself a, a published author that's a big that's a big deal to have a it's kind of a big deal it is kind of, i mean it's a big <laughs> deal personally I mean, for you. Yeah. And it's just admirable accomplishment, I guess. That's so. Thank you. And it's, um, you can't just do something like that in a day. <laughs> I mean, no, no. It's not it like you said, yeah, I'll, think I'll write a book, you know, this morning. <laughs> and then, you know, tonight you're not going to have a book. So yeah. it takes, you've got to stick to it. And yeah. so who did you grow up and do you now enjoy reading fiction? Is that? Mm-hmm. Mostly yeah, what fiction. you like? Yep. Okay. I used to read just a ton growing up. English was my favorite class. Um, if I would have gone to school for something instead of general studies, mm-hmm. I wanted to be an English teacher. Okay. So I find myself now going, I, I why do I not know how to spell this? Yeah. <laughs> right? Or why did I not know about that punctuation? Mm-hmm. Or things that I should have known you know, always, 30 years ago. There's always more to learn. We, Melissa and I were talking about it the other day. She said something about, you're talking about diagramming a sentence. I said, diagramming a sentence? I mean, so why does anybody need to know how to diagram a sentence? And so she was like, well, you need this and that. And I said, and I, said I don't even know what those words mean anymore. <laughs> I mean, I know noun and a verb. And I could probably do pronoun and adverb. I said, but after that, she was oh, no, you know more than that. And I said, I Maybe so. Do you remember those, um, that the cartoon conjunction junction? Yes, what's, what's your, your function? function? <laughs> <Yeah>. I do. <laughs> those things stick with you. That's uh, Sesame Street. Was it Sesame Street? Was it in conjunction, Sesame Street? Conjunction junction, what's yeah. your function? <laughs> or was it maybe just something on Saturday morning? It might have just been a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. I watch so much TV and now I read almost strictly nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Melissa reads fiction. She's almost all fiction. Mm-hmm. I'm almost all nonfiction. Yep. Um, but Jordan Peterson said something one time that stuck with me that a good, really good nonfiction book, it's like an ultimate truth. It's even better nonfiction, more focused nonfiction. The best fiction can be because it 
not condenses it down so much, but it's an ultimate truth uh, because you're taking almost like a, a story from the Bible or something like mm-hmm. that. That it it's not just you know one path or one story, but it's taking all these stories and bringing them together into an ultimate story. Mm-hmm. I need to start reading some of the good fiction. What do you remember reading from back in the day that really affected you or we had to read some stories for like English class Mm -hmm. right and I think the only one from English class that I Moby Dick was not exciting at all Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could get through it okay I've heard that (laughs) the one that I really liked though was um To Kill a Mockingbird okay that was a really good one to read Okay. And they made a movie of it, didn't yes, they? Yes, they did. If they didn't, I saw it in my head as I right. was reading it because I remember the movie. Yes, there is. Um, really good. Of Mice and Men, love. Okay. Love Of Mice and Men. Again, another good movie. Okay. Um, I read a lot of Stephen King when I was a kid. Okay. Me and Melissa were first married. We took turns reading out loud Pet Cemetery. Yes. I could not get through The Shining. The really? Shining is one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. Love it. So scary. Can't watch half of it. Right? Yeah. And I could not get through the book. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's what's number five So about? Number, do, these, do your books follow a style? A pattern, or can, there's a series. I have a series for romance okay. that are novellas. And a novella is half the size of a novel. Okay. Ish. Depends on word count. I wrote my first book. Oakdale and was going to write the spin-off of it following right up mm-hmm. and I was doing a lot of reading and researching and they said that romance novellas sell the best at that time so I said all right I'll write a romance novella series okay. so then it, if people like book one they buy book two and three mm-hmm. you can always do promotional things where you put the first book for free mm-hmm. and then that'll make them look at book and two or two and three so I did that um, and while I was doing that all of the people that liked Oakdale said when's Oakdale 2 coming out oh, really? <laughs> when are you doing the next one and I'm like okay 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 so now I'm doing Oakdale 2 basically the spin-off of it is called Heaven Sent I remember the first time I tried to tell you and Melissa what Oakdale was about yeah. after a couple <laughs> glasses of wine and I was all over the place I still remember that day and Melissa's like, okay. When I had my first book signing a couple months later, Jeff, Patty and Jeff, mm-hmm. Jeff said, okay, give me your, give me your 10 second, your Synopsis. 10 second story, your 10 second, you know, elevator story. And everybody's looking at him like, what? And I said, okay, I can do this. So Mike Allen is from a small town in Tennessee called Oakdale. He inherits a whole bunch of money and moves out to LA for a couple years. His best friend passes away. And a year later, he decides to go home and rediscover his roots. That's the synopsis for Oakdale. Okay. So getting into that a little bit, while he's in L.A., he is spending money left and right because he has it, mm-hmm. because he can. He decides that he needs to do something productive, and he buys a bar, and it has a stage, and he has an epiphany. Back in Oakdale, it was really, really hard to find good bands to watch, you know, just to some up-and-coming band that's mm-hmm. not a huge star that you have to drive three hours to go see. Yeah. So he opened a bar and just, and started discovering up-and-coming bands. And one of the bands that he discovered was called Heaven Sent. Book two is their story. Okay. And they're, they're a girl band from a small town in Michigan called Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> go figure, right? <laughs> yeah. 
and they um, it's about their struggles and about their way to the top so I haven't I'm working on that blurb still mm -hmm. and my cover designer is actually a teacher and I said hey can I run this past you and she said um, you did this wrong and I went <laughs> okay so she said I need a summary so I started typing it out she said stop no that's not what I need I'm like how can I so I'm working on the blurb right now but anyway it's about their story it's due out in April beginning of April and what do you mean do out it should release be so, available for purchase okay so you've already written it mm -hmm. I'm editing it right oh, okay. now. okay so I finished I hit I typed the end okay I went through it once and filled in the blanks. Mm -hmm. I'm on my second round of edits now, which is more, do I need to expand on this? Do I need to take this out? Does this fit? Is Sarah actually here or was she in Florida last week? Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, who's supposed to be where? So I'm doing that now. Then the next round will be printing it out, reading it out loud, taking a red pen, literally encircling things mm -hmm. um, and proofreading kind of at the same time. And then I'll send it to my editor. And then he'll send it back and I'll go through it again. So all of that should happen mid-March. And then I give it a, a month-ish to kind of, you know, make sure everything is lined up right. And then it should release April 11th is the day I have right. on my calendar. You got it circled. Down. I got it circled. <laughs> yep. I've got my process written down. I've got, I'm Are you organized? very prepared. Are you this is my publishing plan. Wow. <laughs> April 11th. Right there at the it. bottom. So, uh, I highlight. Just got to find a typo. Did you? Yes. No, you did not. Yes, I did. What, in publishing? A year. Oh, 2020. <laughs> well, I'm going to publish it last year. There you go. Oh, that's funny. That's cool. Man, I've never seen a publishing yep. plan before. Yep. So, that's it. Where I've are we at right now? We are in we are first self-edit. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to do... You can send it out to what's called beta readers, mm -hmm. which is the first people that will look at it before it even goes to your editor to say there's a plot hole here, right? Something's missing, something big. Or I like this, I hate this, this doesn't make sense to me. And you can have a, a team of people that do that for you. Okay. I've tried to find some people to do that with the romance ones. Nobody ever bit, right? It's it's getting out to people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of hard for me to do with, you know, not having a huge publicity, mm -hmm. you know, a huge amount of following or, or whatever. So I'm going to try it again this time. If I get beta readers, it's great. And I'll send them things and I'll edit based on their feedback. And then you can also do after it's all done and ready to go before it releases, you can have ARC readers, which is advanced reader copy. Okay. So you give them an advanced copy that they don't have to pay for. Mm -hmm. And in return, they will give you a review, an honest review. So you're not allowed to pay for reviews, mm -hmm. which makes sense because you don't sure. want people swayed. Right. And you're not allowed to ask for a good review. You can ask for an honest review. That's, that's really what you want. And I a, mean, lot if of you're people, a lot of people will say, you know what, I won't actually publish the review if it's not a three or above. And that's great because nobody really wants to bash you. Sure. Right, and say this is horrible, but they can send it back to you and say, you know what, this just didn't resonate with me. Um, I, I couldn't get into it. You know, I don't feel like it's fair to give you a negative mm -hmm. review. Once it's out there in the world, I guess that's really what ultimately decides, you know, whether it's something. Yeah. I mean, you can be the proudest of what you wrote. I mean, 
don't know if it's a line, but it's you want to write things that you're proud of, mm-hmm. and you would like for those things to be well received, I guess, by an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to get both. I think the biggest deal is just to keep putting it out and focus on the work. Focus on the work. Yeah. And the, the or, whole idea to get to get the algorithm to like your book in the Amazon is for reviews. Okay. Or for people to, like on Goodreads, the more reviews you have, the more stars you have. Mm. Then the, the more likely it is that somebody else will want to look at it. Right. So there's an algorithm that goes with it. So they say you have to have however many reviews as of your release date. And it's... Mm. It's really hard to do, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're Colleen Hoover, who has, right. <laughs> you know, a huge following. She's sold more books than the Bible this year. Really? Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. So she And what's her name? Colleen Hoover. Colleen Hoover. She's in um, Silver Springs. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yep, she's been writing for 10 years, and she has a huge TikTok following. Mm-hmm. And she's... So she's she, TikToking. She was self-published to begin with, and then she mm-hmm. got picked up. Yep. They say, they, meaning whoever's out there talking about it besides me, they say that self-publishing, you get to keep 100% of your profits. But if you're traditionally published, you get more people looking at you, so you're going to sell more. But if you have an idea that you don't want to be changed, then you need to self-publish. Because traditionally published will be like, yeah, I don't like this. You need to change it. Mm -hmm. So they will give you editors. They will design your cover. They will do all of your, you know, promotions. But once you sign with them, it's out of your hands. You have no creative Mm -hmm. control anymore. Yeah, that would be hard to give up, I would think. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it depends on really what they said. Yeah. You know, if they if they came back and and said, you know, you need to change this whole storyline, I'd be like, all right, I guess. <laughs> you know, if if that's gonna yeah. sell, and if you already paid me, if you gave me an upfront thing, I yeah. guess I got to do what you tell me to do. Yeah. Right. So. Right. I don't know. One day I might like going that route or trying to find that route, but you have to query so many agents mm-hmm. and publishing companies, and it's it's a lot of work just trying to get there. I guess the one thing I like about doing the podcast is. I guess it's a gatekeeper in a sense. I mean, you have to have it put out on a platform. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm sending this out to, you know, hitting send to this person and, you know, hey, listen to this. Hey, listen to right. this. Hey, listen to this. But it is nice to me because I like not having someone yep. tell me what to do or how yep. to do it or who to do it with. Yep. It's fun to have a creative effort. Mm-hmm. I think something that something creative that you're working on. Tell me about your music. You're, are you <laughs> a musician? Music? No. No, I just love music. Okay. No, I'm I'm not a musician. I don't think I could strum a guitar and actually make it sound right. Yeah. Um, I was in band in, in high school, and I played saxophone. My husband loves this story. <laughs> so um, I played clarinet for a while, and I moved to saxophone. It was the same keys. Okay. Right? So um, I was third chair out of three. <laughs> Small school. We, yeah, exactly. And we were out marching one day. And in Michigan, when it's football weather, it's cold. Yeah, I bet. So I had mittens on. I don't remember if this is when I was playing clarinet. Because clarinet, you have to cover the holes, mm-hmm. right? And with, I, I probably had gloves, not mittens. But I had gloves on. And if you have gloves on, you can't play the clarinet because it won't mm-hmm. cover the holes to okay. get the right sound. So we were mar- marching one day and... I hadn't played a note while I was marching because I can't do two things at the same time, right? I couldn't count my steps and move and remember what notes to play. (laughs) So I would just make sure that I was moving in the right spot. Mm -hmm. 
So um, they said, okay, conductor, whatever his name is, said, something's wrong over here. I need the saxophones <laughs> to play. You know, if somebody in the saxophones is playing it wrong, I'm like, well, it's not me because I'm not <laughs> you're playing You're playing on me. <laughs> so he said, I need each of you to play this portion of the song so I know who's doing it wrong. And I'm like, oh, boy. Okay, so <laughs> here we go. He played it. First chair played it, and he played it right. First, second chair played it. They played it right. First time I played it all year because I hadn't played it. I played it right, and he's like, "Okay, it must not be you guys. It must be clarinet." Like, wow! <laughs> but so I you never could play it. with the gloves. Well, I I could. Yeah, whatever I did, I played it right. I think I had mittens on. Okay. For the saxophone, because you didn't have to cover the holes. Yeah. But, but I wasn't playing it wrong because I wasn't playing it okay. at all. <laughs> But I love music. We grew up with music. Um, music inspires me. It does. Right? It brings me back to a time. And, and just on my way here, I heard um, Vixen, Edge of a Broken Heart. Mm-hmm. And when I started writing Heaven Sent, it was going to be based off of a girl band. And Vixen was big when I was mm-hmm. growing up. Timing was off for the whole years and dates and stuff, so I didn't use them as an example. Yeah. Um, but I was at a stop sign and took a picture of you know, the radio, sent it to my girlfriends in Brooklyn, and I, who still live in Brooklyn, and I said, you know, thinking about you guys, <laughs> yeah. because this was back in the day mm-hmm. when we were all hanging out, just listening to good music, Yeah. and that's where the inspiration kind of came from for Heaven Sent. Okay. So for Oakdale, I was on my way to work one day and heard um, Something to Believe in mm-hmm. by Poison, and I said, I could see the movie in my head. Right, as I'm going down the drive or driveway, going down the highway. And I could see each of the people that are in the song connected. Okay. And that's how the book came about. So Mike Allen has all of these people. Um, there's his best friend that died in um, California. And of course Mike is like, Why was he out here? But his best friend is in there. His um his brother's the homeless man. His grandfather is the Vietnam vet, and his uncle is the preacher. Okay. So I need to reformat the book and actually put the lyrics in the back of the book mm-hmm. because my mom's like, well, what is the song? And I said, oh, You're right. mom, you don't know that song, right? Yeah. So I need to actually reformat it and put the lyrics in the yeah. back. And plus when you see us, I mean, there's, like you said, there's so much about music. I mean, sometimes it's it's the fact that it's music rather than just a poem or lyrics, you know, that mm-hmm. you're, it's the lyrics and the music put together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you look at lyrics and you think, what? <laughs> how did that how do they make the that into four a song? horsemen by metallica i right. have sung that song forever had no idea what the words were all right right i looked at the words i don't know a year ago or something when i was looking doing oakdale stuff and i looked at the words and i went what the <laughs> hell is that have you ever seen the words no for it? Not. look it up when you leave you're gonna be like okay okay <laughs> i will definitely do it yeah. but yeah it's it's the blending of the two i would, mm-hmm. i grew up listening to music i mean i had i was fortunate enough to have a record player or a radio yep. in my and that's if i was in trouble or whatever or i mean i would literally just go in there and you know Hit turn it up as yep. loud as i could and just i mean i would <laughs> sing at the top of my lungs oh, yeah. and yep just air guitar and air drum i'm getting after still it. i mean i mean i do it too i mean yeah, yeah. still Phil Collins, right in there tonight. <laughs> I was uh, listening. I love Phil Collins. I was listening to one of his songs. Eric Clapton plays the guitar on it. What is the name of it? Let it rain down on me, or rain down on mm-hmm. me. I mean, just he was so good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you go to concerts? We don't much anymore. Okay. Yes, 
I'm actually wearing a Bon Jovi shirt. Jovi shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Patty got this for me for my birthday. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to go to a concert at least once a month every other mm-hmm. week if I could when I was a kid. It was 20 bucks a, a yeah, ticket. Yeah, you could get it. You, we're looking at tickets for the find, Eagles recently. Oh, it's like it was ridiculous, ridiculous. For, the, for the cheap seats. Yeah. I've seen stuff at the, you know, at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, in the last row and everything. Yeah. It's still good. We were on the first row of uh, Sammy Hagar uh, in September, or Melissa's oh, birthday. <laughs> and he still rocks it, too. He does. He was yeah. 75. Oh, my gosh. He's 75. Yeah. So do you have authors that you like? I do. Or, uh, no, no. That, like their style that I, you learn from? I some down because okay. I can never remember their names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read i say listen to because i do a lot of um in the car time i'll get audio tapes okay. books on audio from the library and i used to read at least a book a week when i was traveling mm-hmm. so i've been through so many that i don't really i'll pick it up again mm-hmm. look like if it has a different cover and i'll read the back i'll say melissa's done good. that she's uh, yeah she's done like <laughs> first that chapter and i'm like this sounds familiar this. yeah <laughs> I've read this already <laughs> but, but it's um, not like the first page it's but it's sometimes the it is like it's like the first chapter yeah in. So. yeah Wait a minute. um so stephen king i mentioned as far as like horror and thriller stuff i really used to read a lot of dean Koontz. um mary higgins clark Harper. is a thriller jillian flynn is one that was a little bit more recent probably <laughs> recent being 10 years mm-hmm. um i've read a few of her books they're really good then i love Kristen Hanna. i don't know if you've heard of her or jody picult those I've are, heard of that one. Those are two that I, I looked up their genre to say, okay, yeah, it's fiction. But what's more than that? Because it's all family dramas. Okay. So what more besides fiction? And they're just listed as fiction. So I thought, okay, so Oakdale's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just a family drama fiction. But my editor that I'm using, I kind of have, I was attracted to his style because he calls himself a rock fiction author and rock. Like rock fiction <laughs> so something that's inspired by or mm-hmm. he writes about like he'll listen to an album and he'll write a book because he was inspired so much by this album that he'll like and i'm like okay well, that's kind of what happened with oakdale right so yeah, guess... rock fiction so i guess i'm kind of a rock fiction you're gonna have to author okay does he listen to new stuff or does he listen to what, think what did... he listens to a little bit of everything okay. i think he listens to the new stuff too i for for why not it was going to be some lyrics for each chapter mm-hmm. that was referencing what was going on in our lives at that time. Yeah. And I couldn't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> I did pay for one song. I paid for Tesla's love song. Love song. Yeah. yeah. So I paid for the rights for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a book that I'll never publish. So I've actually used it in a chapter in Heaven Sent, but I'm not sure if I can transfer the rights from the book that I didn't publish to the book I'm going to publish. So a little bit more research. But for Oakdale, I bought um, something to believe in, the rights for that. Okay. So because there are snippets of the words in real people talking Mm -hmm. throughout the book. Okay. So other people that have influenced me, Nicholas Sparks to a point because it's romance and romance is all the same, Mm -hmm. right? So Nicholas Sparks writes romance and he writes it well, but to me it's kind of all the same but then that might just be the genre because i was finding by my third romance book i'm like you know what this is kind of the, the same, same as everything as else yeah <laughs> <laughs> everything you know they 
and there is actually a cadence that they say you're supposed to write a romance okay. yeah. book by where you've got you know the introductions and the build up in the the first problem that the couple comes to usually a misunderstanding mm-hmm. and then they work it out they get back together and then um, the second problem is probably a deal breaker okay. but they figure a way to think about it work it out they get back together happy ever after okay that's a romance novel okay that's it huh <laughs> so all of this stuff in between for me trying to figure out what the big problem was going to be mm-hmm. was really hard in this last one so because how many problems i mean i haven't been married and divorced but i've never really had i don't know that kind of a problem mm. that is a deal breaker that sounds really weird when i say it out loud oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing really that i would write about right because husband number one was super controlling and I was kind of stupid and married him anyway, right? So that was my deal breaker. Mm-hmm. The second one, I was a stepmom, and we basically broke up because of his kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to write about that kind yeah. of thing. So I'm like, okay, what else is there? Yeah. So that was, they say write what you know and write about your experiences, but I didn't really want to write about those experiences. Do you constantly have, like you said, do you have on your phone, or do you keep a pad or something with you to write on where you think that would be a good line in something or that would be a good way to phrase something or that idea would if i hear constantly lyrics picking or, up old nuggets yeah lyrics or if i'm listening to a book and there's a line in there that i like how it's written mm-hmm. yeah i'll go into that novelist thing or i've got like just a book that's called ideas okay and i'll just i'll talk to text or whatever in that which is really weird <laughs> because talk to text when you i'll email it to myself and then i'll read it and i'm like Wait, what? is there something missing there? Yeah. Or it'll say, in two miles, turn on north on <laughs> 635. Because it picks up from, yeah. my, from my GPS. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Can I look at your list? Yeah. What is it? Do you have romantic adventure? Yeah, like dragon dogs of Denali. So okay. <laughs> it's one of my ideas. Okay. So a couple is not supposed to be together. They're strangers. A woman has a... Um, in Alaska has a dog sled team that she gives tours on and the man is from wherever and he comes and takes her tour while they get trapped and so it's they fall for each other but at first they're kind of bantering like how could you do this Uh, it's like naked and afraid kind of deal yeah (laughs) except that they're not gonna be naked all the time time. thriller mystery psychological thriller like Uncle Eli you did Benita give you Uncle Eli the, the little itty bitty book that I had at the winery? So. I don't think so. No? Okay. I, it's, I'll get it. I'll pick it up next time. Yeah. Well, they're freebies. So okay. I'll tell you about that one. Paranormal. I like that. You have 57 current books. Yeah. I have in my head. Okay. Yeah. Or on that on that app. Yep. Gotcha. 57 that are ideas. Well, that's really cool. I brought these for you. All right. You can have them if you want them. I will. Give them to Melissa. Are they all signed? Uh, they are, but I can sign up for you. I would love that. Which okay. one do you like best? Do you, you know, I mean, is it like a kid where you like them all and you really, are you ashamed to say? My debut, I think, is probably my favorite just because it was the first. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is more so what I So many things write. have to happen for you to get the first one out. And yeah. Then, yeah. Okay. So there's awesome. Oakdale. Thank you. Somewhere outside of Sunset is, these are all based in North Texas. Okay. Sunset, Texas paradise and loving okay so there are towns that are kind of near each other Mm -hmm. and each of these couples are different but they're all friends so they all make an appearance in each of the books 
So I asked my husband, okay, I'm going to write a romance based in Texas. Give me the name of a town, small town. And he said, Sunset. I said, okay. So I did some research on Sunset, Texas, and that's what this one happened to be. So his sister, husband, does a lot of restoring cars. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's a bumper in Sunset, Texas. Oh, really? <laughs> and they were just talking about it that day. So that's how Sunset, Texas became that first book. So there's that one. And this one is about a land owner and a land developer. So it's an opposites attract thing. Okay. All of them are really opposites attract. Um, and it's small town, just kind of things that happen, you know, when people meet, mm-hmm. I guess. But of course, she's from Michigan. Are you and Nelson opposite? Yes and I mean, no on some things. Yeah. Yeah, on some I mean, things. you got to be close enough on the big stuff. Yeah, of I, course. I Absolutely. Like our morals and values, yeah. Yeah. But like the way, um, the way I want to feed all the animals <laughs> or my this sense. This should be done. My sense of urgency, you know, you can't use this bowl, you got to use that bowl. Mm-hmm. But if I've, because I, I feed in the morning just because I want to make sure everybody's there and everybody's okay. Yeah. So every once in a while I'll say, hey, I have to go early. Can you feed everybody? He filled a carrot cup with cat food. And I said, no, you can't fill the carrot cup with cat food. No, I got to wash that one today because <laughs> the goats won't eat anything that smells like cat food. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. So Home in Paradise is about their friends. She is a veterinarian and he's a butcher. So again, a Nelson thing. I asked my husband, what are the opposites of, you know, I said, I want this, the lady to be a veterinarian. What's the opposite of that? And he said, a butcher. And I went, okay, well, there's that one. (laughs) And then the art of loving is again, opposites attract kind of not nearly as much, but he's a bison farmer and his neighbor moves in and she's an artist she's a painter mm-hmm. and he is down home just country boy and she's an adventurer okay. so she teaches him basically how to have adventures in his own backyard oh, okay so there's that one and the bison oh, yeah. the bison farmer it's really hard to read these blurbs that need to be redone right <laughs> Anything else you want to tell any potential listeners that might be on this deal about writing the book that's in them? I will be putting them out as wide, they call it wide, going wide with publication. So it'll be available basically everywhere, all of them sometime soon. That's cool. Are you going to be, I just, I've always thought about hearing a song on, not you, but singing a song on the radio and hearing it on the radio. Mm, mm-hmm. That would be so amazing. So I imagine walking to a bookstore and mm-hmm. yeah. see some of your books. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that is, would be pretty incredible experience. Yeah. Yes, I would think. for sure. I have to get them on the platforms first that mm-hmm. like Barnes & Noble can buy them from. Mm-hmm. So that would be really cool one day to go into Barnes & Noble. Yeah. It would be cool. So you and know I, I would be cool to go, I know her. Yeah. <laughs> It would be even cool for us to do. So, well, you know that I've done some um, book signings, right? I had mm-hmm. one at the Castle Oaks yeah. for Oakdale, and then I went to. There's a winery in Sunset, just outside of Sunset, okay. that I took Nelson to when I was in the middle of writing this. I that was our research. Mm-hmm. So I told the owners of that winery that I was writing this book and I wanted to do a book signing when I was done with it. They're like, sure. So we did that last summer. Okay. So we had Benita and Roger at Castle Oaks had a book signing for me. Mm -hmm. And I went to this other winery, uh, Marker's Cellar in 
just outside of Paradise. Okay. And I also had a book signing at the Three Ps. Right. So that was my winery summer tour, book right. signing tour. So I want to do a lot more of that. Benita obviously is so supportive. Yes, she is. And she said, you know, once um, Heaven Sent comes out, I'll have to have another book signing. And I didn't tell you about um, Uncle Eli. I mentioned it very briefly. Mm-hmm. So Benita had told me about a um, contest that was being put on by... California winery okay. and it was basically write a story in less than a thousand words short story about a haunted I don't know that they wanted it to be a haunted winery but about a, a paranormal experience mm-hmm. kind of thing okay so because it was Benita's idea I wrote about Castle Oaks and Uncle Eli is a descendant or or Roger is a descendant of Uncle Eli in this book. Okay. And um, Patty and Jeff walk into the winery for the first time and meet Roger and Benita. So I used real names, yeah. right? And I'm like, are you guys okay if I use right. your real names? And she's like, sure. I wrote the story about them and an experience that happens with the painting on the wall. Uh, the, the guy in the painting is Uncle Eli and he keeps getting closer every time they look at the painting. Oh, yeah. And the last time, this is all during like a, a wine tasting kind of thing where they're bringing them different wines. Mm-hmm. And in the last time they look at the painting, he's not there. Oh. And I won't tell you what happens at the end. Okay. But <laughs> everybody loved that short story. And Benita, I, I made it into a little booklet mm-hmm. um, from Amazon, and I had it printed. I had my book um, cover designer design mm-hmm. the cover, and she's amazing. Everybody loves that one more than everything else. And Uncle Eli. Isn't that creepy? That is creepy. <laughs> almost looks, he's got like, uh, almost like a gorilla looking face with like a. Oh, the long, the, like the beard, the goatee. Shaded maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That so, is cool. That's a good picture. It's a, everybody loves this cover yeah. too. So, and everybody loved the story. And they said. In a thousand words. In a thousand words. Yeah. Was so they hard? said, uh, it was and it wasn't. My husband is really creative. Yeah. He just doesn't know how creative he is. But we were on our way to Michigan to um, his class reunion and to see my parents kind of at the same mm-hmm. time. Benita sent this text and I had my computer with me. So I started typing out some stuff and he was throwing out ideas. We were on a road that we had driven a thousand times and we passed our exit. Oh. So <laughs> I'm writing and he's talking and we're throwing out ideas. And I look up and I said... <laughs> did we pass I said where are we looked at the next exit sign it was for Battle Creek and I said we're like an hour past our wow an exit. hour past we drove an hour past our exit Man. turn around call my mom I'm gonna be late <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the joke that we were so into writing this thousand word story mm-hmm. so I even had it I sent it to my editor I did you know the book cover for it so I treated it like a real yeah. book and I printed off some copies and I gave them to Benita she cried she was so touched she just loved it she's like yeah. you should have won but everybody loved that that little thousand word story and they said i want to know more about uncle eli okay i want to know more you have to write the book so that's next after heaven sent is done mm-hmm. um while i was in my one week waiting period when you've hit the end you're supposed mm-hmm. to disconnect for a week give yourself some time to forget about it yeah so i did the outline for uncle eli okay so after this one is published then I'm going to do Uncle Eli and have that out by, thanks, uh, by uh, Halloween. Man, you 
got it going on now. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that once you start, it's like you can get to the snowball effect. And yeah. You just... And things get easier. Right. Right? Now that I've done it so many times and I'm looking at my publishing plan, mm-hmm. I've even got the publishing plan for Uncle Eli because you have to kind of reverse engineer the dates. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, if I want to release it by this date, I have to get this done by, by okay. here. So... I didn't do that with one of the romance books, and I found myself procrastinating even more than normal. So, oh, I don't need to write today. But then once I gave myself a deadline, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I need to finish this. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have taken you know months longer. To write a novella like that shouldn't take... I was just writing on weekends, and I think it took maybe four months mm-hmm. to write the last one. I think it took six months to write the one before same size book mm-hmm. right it's just me being focused on really getting it done mentioned his name and you hadn't heard of him but stephen pressfield he wrote the legend of bagger vance okay mm-hmm. um but he also has written a lot of books about writing and they're about this big mm-hmm. and or even smaller and you know maybe a half a page or the next and the next check you know it's whatever Mm-hmm. 78 chapters but it's you know it's one to three to four pages at the most sure is a chapter one i think i read most recently is it's just about putting your ass where you know you need to be to do the work mm-hmm. and that's that's the whole thing mm-hmm. treating it seriously doing the work figuring out what you, how you need to set it up your life so that this is a priority and by golly you're there at the appointed times yep. on the appointed days yep. and you are going to contribute something and it's like well what am i going to you know but he's he calls it the muse but it's like when you do that consistently it's like he doesn't know where it comes from you know you don't know where the inspiration or the ideas or mm-hmm. any of that comes from but by putting yourself there on a regular basis and they just come it just happens yeah yep not crazy. And a lot of people say that their characters write their own story. Mm-hmm. It's totally true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. So like if yep. you were to sit down and had to outline <clears throat> it, you just really beforehand the whole thing, I don't I couldn't do it. But like I said, if you sit there and then one thing leads to another and one thing is it's it almost just does come out of the it, mist. Yeah. It just Absolutely. Yep. Appears. And there's there they say there's two kinds of writers. There's pantsers that by the seat of their pants, okay. right? They call them pantsers. Right. And there's outliners, and I'm an outliner because I'm organized that way. I need to know where mm-hmm. I'm going. So I'll write like the beginning and the end and a couple things in the middle that are, you know, major Biggies. things. And then, okay, what happens in between? Like the daily life stuff is okay. kind of boring, so what happens to make that So you go big picture to small, mm-hmm. kind of? Yeah. Okay. And then I'll adjust. I'll have, you know, a couple paragraphs about each chapter, kind of. But, I mean, I... I took out and put in new chapters and heaven sent just going through the edit process. Okay. So it's all pretty fluid. Um, but like for one of the romance ones, I wrote out the personalities of each person, right? Like what's their favorite color? What do they like to do most on their spare time? What bothers them? Right. Just to kind of get an idea of who Mm -hmm. they are, obviously what they look like, you know, hair and eye color and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And if they're tall or skinny or whatever, um, and one of my things was going to be that she swears a lot. Mm-hmm. 
and I was writing the book, I'm like, she didn't swear at all. Okay, so I guess you don't swear, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those things that it's just like, no, I'm not going to. They're talking to me like, no. Yeah. And in the first book, it was written in a male perspective, and it was really easy for him to swear, mm-hmm. right? And my mom's not big on swearing at all. And there's some in there. Yeah. You know what happens? Mm-hmm. I used to have the truck of a, uh, the truck of a mouther, <laughs> <laughs> the mouth of a trucker when I was dealing with a lot of truckers mm-hmm. right you get in that zone and you yeah. talk like them yep so um but the romance novels don't have a lot of swearing in them at all which is kind of weird for me because i swear a lot right. but <laughs> but oakdale does and uh heaven sent does because it's a rock band yeah there's not a lot of like sex drugs and rock and roll because their heaven sent is more about being positive and they're a good role model, and they make good decisions. Okay. So the reason, I know you're not asking, but I'm telling you anyway. The reason that I wanted to do Heaven Sent is to have a positive book. They say that when you write a book, you have to have as many bad things happen to people as you possibly can. And I'm like, why? Really? I don't, it's just, it's too much. When everything happens, it's another bad thing happened, and they have to get, you know, find their struggle out. And mm-hmm. another bad thing happens. And I'm like, why can't it just be about success? Mm-hmm. Why can't you have three great things that happen to this band? Yeah. So that's what I did. Okay. So Heaven Sent is, yeah, there's some struggles. Um, there's a lot of personal stuff in there, too, because it's about Brooklyn, Michigan, mm-hmm. right? And it's about my friends are who I was picturing when I'm writing the girls' mm-hmm. friends and who they hung out with and what they did um, and the families and, and that kind of thing ultimately a good feel story yeah because they are a good inspiration for kids that are growing up and if you work hard you can mm-hmm. work past anything and and they respect each other they love each other and and it's a good deal yeah yeah i'll look forward to that one yeah <laughs> definitely I'm, i mean thanks i can't wait for a signed copy <laughs> well thank you you'll have to come to the book signing i then. will i will definitely be there christy copeland Thank you. Thanks for coming.